0: This is Nemetha Saitmota for NEJM Catalyst. I'm speaking today with Dr. Tejal Gandhi, Chief Clinical and Safety Officer at the Institute for Healthcare Improvement, President of the Lucian Leap Institute, and former President and CEO of the National Patient Safety Foundation. Tejil has decades of experience and has made tremendous impact on improving care for patients with a focus on safety. From many different vantage points in our healthcare ecosystem, from leading safety at a large academic health system, to being an executive at two internationally renowned organizations that are relentlessly driving the agenda to improve outcomes. Tajel, we are delighted to have you joining us today to discuss this critical topic. And I'm going to get right started. And let's start by level setting. Patient safety means different things to different people. How do you define the term today, and how has the concept evolved over the last few decades?
1: So the way I like to think about it is both in terms of, you know, preventing harm, Uh, and so patient safety is all about preventing harm, also uh, minimizing the impact of harm when it does happen, and really learning from uh, both harm and near misses when it happens to make sure that we don't have these events occurring in the future. And one of the things that I think we're really trying to shift in pain. Patient safety, as you said, you know, what have we learned, or how have we advanced over the last um, uh, few years, is really trying to be more in that proactive domain as opposed to reactive. So instead of patient safety solely focusing on harm events and then analyzing those and trying to prevent them in the future, really trying to go upstream to where the risk is, and can we identify and understand where the risk is early enough that we can actually intervene and prevent the harm in the first place. Another area is um, making sure that we are learning both from when bad things happen, but also when good things happen. And are we really learning from uh, times when care goes really well and making sure that we're taking those lessons and spreading them? So I think the field of safety is really trying to expand uh, in those directions. The last thing I'll say is that harm itself, we are really thinking about broader definitions of harm. When patient safety first started being talked about 20 years ago, we were really thinking about it as inpatient physical harm, uh, things like wrong-side surgeries or medication errors that led to harm in the hospital, and we are thinking much more broadly about both physical and psychological harm. Uh, Patients are experiencing both, and also harm that is both to patients, but also to those who care for patients, such as the workforce and the healthcare system or even caregivers at home, and thinking about harm to those people because if caregivers and the workforce are experiencing harm, it's very difficult for them to deliver high-quality, safe care to patients. And lastly, thinking about harm not just in the hospital setting, obviously, but across the entire care continuum. We know most care is not given in hospitals, so we need to really think about harm much more broadly
0: than uh, the inpatient setting. Give us some examples of some of these concepts that, that you've just explained to, to us. And, and specifically, I was struck by your, uh, your introduction of this paradigm shift to thinking about learning from when things go well. So I'm going to ask you to share an example of, of where there has been learning with, with an event going well, uh, two, give us some examples of this uh, psychological harm uh, that, that you talked about, both in terms of how patients experience it as well as how uh, caregivers and, and the workforce might, might experience it. Uh, and then lastly, uh, and, an example of uh, opportunities in the non-hospital-based setting. Sure.
1: Um,
0: Well, so learning from the positives. uh, So
1: there's been this term of safety one and safety two, which is a very technical term that people probably don't need to know, but at least should be aware that that's kind of some terminology out there. And that is the shift of, you know, instead of learning from the... bad events. Let's learn from when things go well. And uh, and it's come from other industries. And so one example of how this could be done is, say you have a very complex uh, case that involves multiple clinicians, multiple teams, et cetera, in the hospital, and ultimately the outcome is really terrific. You could really do a root cause analysis on that whole case to say, How did that happen? How was it that we had great coordination and collaboration across all those teams in the hospital? What were the structures? What were the reasons that happened? And then how can we build those out and make sure that that happens every time and maybe not just as a kind of a one-off where it was sort of uh, fortunate that it it happened. So really systematizing those. And it it actually really helps also to recognize some of the great work that's going on and um, for safety not always to be about the, oh, you did something wrong, but really about, oh, you did something right, and let's learn from it. Uh, So that's an example. Uh, And so then your second uh, question was really about the psychological harm piece. And so first, when you think about it from the patient perspective, there's been um, recent work. We actually did a survey of a nationally representative sample in the U.S. about uh, errors and harm that patients experienced. And the the people who, who said they had experienced error, when we asked about the kind of harm that they experienced, the number four type of harm reported was actually disrespect. So patients are feeling that disrespect really causes them harm, and that's psychological harm that they're, experience, that they're experiencing. Um, The Beth Israel in Boston has been doing really innovative work where they've been really trying to capture those kinds of episodes of disrespect and treat them exactly how they would treat episodes of physical harm. And so they capture them, catalog them, uh, identify which ones are high severity, and then may do even a root cause analysis or a deep investigation into what the root causes were and what they could do. Uh, prevent those in the future. So they're really broadening that definition and using the same sort of systematic approaches that we use for physical harm with psychological harm. Um, for the workforce, certainly uh, the issue of burnout has been uh, prominent these days, and workforce engagement, and all of those kinds of things, and we know that there is disrespect to the workforce, there's um, lack of recognition, uh, lack of time to do the tasks that they need to do, et cetera, and all of these things, there's um, lateral violence as well, which is well known from the nursing literature about basically um, uh, bullying uh, from, between nurses, especially if there's a hierarchy and things like that, Um, certainly bullying in the in the physician literature as well. So those types of psychological harm to the workforce uh, are an important issue and certainly can contribute to then burnout, people leaving the field, and people's just inability to take good care of patients. If, if somebody is experiencing burnout and disrespect and those kinds of things, both in terms of their cognitive abilities, both in terms of their empathy to patients, all of those things get impacted in a really negative way. The third area um, that you mentioned was ambulatory or actually like outside of hospital settings, what are we really thinking about? And there, you know, we know care is delivered mainly outside of hospitals, and there are so many diverse settings from uh, primary care practices to specialty practices to nursing homes to rehabs to dialysis centers, ambulatory surgical centers, and even all the way to the home. And we know there are very different, Safety issues that arise in all of those different settings. So we need to do much more work to understand what are the top issues in the home versus in the dialysis center versus in primary care. Um, most of the research has actually been done in primary care on this uh, area, and uh, the, the top areas in primary care, for example, are medication-related um, errors such as never reconciliation, polypharmacy, prescribing errors, etc. Transitions of care issues when patients are going, for example, from the hospital out, and a diagnostic error, which actually is predominantly an ambulatory primary care issue that we're that we're seeing, and really trying to understand what contributes to these diagnostic errors that are occurring in that setting.
0: Thank you for for those very tangible uh, examples. Help me draw a through line from all of these types of harm reduction and systematizing opportunities for improvement through to a financial ROI. So in addition to improved quality, how do leadership teams demonstrate financial ROI to impact the value equation? Uh, and help make decisions about allocating different resources to different types of initiatives within their organization. So
1: when we think about safety, it has in the past been hard to make an ROI often because these are these are not hard dollars that we're necessarily saving with uh, preventing some of these adverse events for example. That is shifting as we move more into models that are paying, for value as opposed to volume, then the ROI becomes clearer when you're avoiding that readmission, you're avoiding that longer hospitalization, you're avoiding uh, an unnecessary procedure, all those kinds of things. So I think the ROI more and more can be made as we shift more to paying for value. In addition though, when you start to look at ROI, there's other, uh, you know, Lighter green dollars, I guess we can call them, or softer um, uh, things that still really matter. If you think about, for example, uh, clinician engagement, the costs of turnover, uh, there's a clear ROI to making sure that our clinicians aren't getting physically and psychologically harmed. There's huge cost to replacing clinicians that are out with lost FTEs due to back injuries, for example. Um, There's also uh, patient experience, and patient experience can be tied to many of these quality and safety types of things, and those are tied to financial incentives as well, not to mention reputation in the community, not to mention malpractice risk, uh, et cetera. And so I think there's a broad set of variables that you can pull into that ROI, some of which are hard dollars, some of which are soft dollars. Um, to, have to start to help make the case. But I do think that the shift to value is really helpful in this regard because it starts to make the hard dollars
0: really tangible. Share with us uh, one or two examples of some of the most innovative patient safety programs or efforts that you have seen implemented at, at scale. What were they? Why were they successful? And equally importantly, what were some of the challenges that these organizations faced in implementation, and how did they overcome them? Well, the example that leaps to my mind
1: as one of the most innovative, especially if you're thinking about something at kind of a, a national scale, is the Solutions for Patient Safety Network that started out with pediatric hospitals in Ohio and has now grown to a network of over 100 pediatric hospitals in the U.S., and actually there's some international participants as well. And what this network does is that it's really created a learning system where data is and knowledge are shared transparently within the group with the premise that they are not competing on safety. They are all going to learn and improve t- together, because if there's harm that happens in one hospital, it affects all of them. And so that's a great Model. Now, when you talk about challenges, you know, I think it took a while for them to get to this point where people were comfortable being transparent and sharing and sort of buying into that philosophy. Uh, and there was a lot of work done by uh, the leaders of the Solutions for Patient Safety Network to, to to work with the organizations to really get to that level of trust really around sharing. But but I think it really was because they, they knew that ultimately the goal was to reduce harm across all of these pediatric hospitals, and as I said, they share the responsibility for the harm across all those uh, hospitals, not just feeling like it's, it's their own hospital that they need to worry about only. And so what they do is they literally uh, share information about harms that are occurring. They identify who the best practices are, which organizations are doing better versus worse, and why, and then spread some of the best practices uh, very rigorously across to the other sites so they can Uh, improve the performance across all the organizations. And it's been incredibly successful, and I think it's really a model that we need to think about so that we are not constantly reinventing the wheel. We see this a lot in safety where there's pockets of excellence, but they stay in those pockets. It could even be within one organization. There's one unit doing something great, and no one else in the organization knows about it. Uh, So this is a great example of really spreading and scaling to improve safety across a large number of hospitals um, that I think is a model, as I said, that that we can learn from and try to uh, incorporate beyond the pediatric network.
0: Absolutely. What are you most optimistic about in this next unfolding chapter as it pertains to improving safe care for patients? So...
1: You know, I'm optimistic about the fact that I think we've learned a lot in the last 20 years. I mean, there's a lot of really basic stuff that we had to get through to understand and learn in the last 20 years. And now that we've done that, um, you know, and when I talk about basic stuff, I mean, first we had to even let have people – realize there was a problem and be comfortable talking about it, and then we had to really understand systems and human factors and culture and how you even measure culture and all those kinds of things. We had to understand, do research to understand what are some interventions that might work and how do you implement them and so forth, so there was, it was, safety is a very early field in healthcare, and I think we've spent the last 20 years, building up some of this basic knowledge, and so I'm optimistic because I feel like now we can really leverage that and accelerate it's time that we can really accelerate our progress. Even some of the things we've talked about earlier about the new ways we're thinking about harm and so forth, I mean, those are exciting uh, new areas that we're going to dive into, thinking about the cross continuum, et cetera. It, It feels like we are taking a much broader approach now, and we can really accelerate impact. So our impact is not just at the hospital level, but really across the board. And we're talking about stronger and stronger ways to bring patients into this conversation and engage patients, which I think is also uh, going to really help us to, to develop uh, uh, safety solutions that, that uh, have the best impact. Uh, so, so those are some of the things I'm optimistic about. And the other thing I am optimistic about is in the U.S. particularly, um, I think there's really a desire for collaboration amongst all the stakeholders that are working on patient safety. Just like that example I gave you from the pediatric hospitals at IHI, we've convened 27 national organizations in a national steering committee for patient safety to create a national action plan here in the US. This is a recommendation that was into air as human that the US should have a national coordinating body that helps think about what we want to do in patient safety, and it's taken us 20 years to actually get there, but we now have this National Steering Committee, and what's been really gratifying is these 27 organizations have been really uh, approachable, really engaged, really excited about coming together to try to work collectively and synergistically, again, to accelerate. So, I think we, uh, we have real optimism about where
0: where patient safety can go as we go forward. Pijal, thank you for your leadership uh, in this uh, growing and critically important field. And thank you so much for speaking with NAJM Catalyst today. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me.